As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. With the countdown to the 2015 season getting shorter and shorter, Larity is back to knock off the rust with the first opponent preview show of the season by talking about the teams of the NFC West. And our guest this week is from SB Nation's RevengeOfTheBirds.com to talk about the Cardinals. All of this and so much more on the NFC West preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. We're closing in on the end of June, and then we'll shift into July, and at the end of July, we got training camp, preseason games, and then the season itself will kick off. What's going on, everybody? Larity back for the NFC West preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review, and we're actually going to do this episode in two parts. Um, I'm kind of winging it here. You know, I remember telling you guys I wanted to do something a little bit different with these preview episodes this time around i've reached out to some of the writers uh, and bloggers uh, from the sb nation uh website and uh, i've gotten responses from quite a few of them so at, at first i had this ambitious i'm going to interview everyone from every team uh and so on so far as far as people getting back to me i, I emailed about eight or nine of our opponents i've gotten responses from five so far i only just started this a couple of days ago so um you know what i was trying to think maybe i'll try to get them all together and just have you know bits and pieces and stuff or um you know maybe i'll just devote one show to one team and so on and so forth so i'm kind of winging this uh, as we go so um if uh you know whenever i i haven't heard anybody back from anyone in, in the afc west uh, just yet i reached out to the broncos uh and to the uh the kansas city chiefs people uh and so on so i haven't heard back from them yet what i might do depending on who i hear from what i might do is review the afc west with that person and then feature you know and then the bulk of the conversation is about their team the broncos the chiefs whoever i get my uh whoever I get my dirty mitts on uh, as far as that goes or if I get a response from two people, you know, like I said, I'm kind of shooting from the hip here. So Jess Root was the first one from SB Nation's RevengeOfTheBirds.com, the Arizona Cardinals uh, page on SB Nation. He was one of the first people uh, to get back to me. I was anxious to get started because we're getting close to the end of the month here. And uh, he was kind enough to speak with me uh, this afternoon. And uh, we went ahead and we had a good conversation. And because the conversation was nearly 50 minutes long, it's like, well, I guess we should just give the Cardinals their own episode. So this is part one uh, of the NFC West uh, preview episode, just talking about the Arizona Cardinals with Jess Root. Part two 
in case I don't hear from anybody uh, with Sanford, because I reached out to Seattle and St. Louis. I'm not really, uh, I hadn't really reached out to anyone from San Francisco. But if I don't hear from, back from the Saint, Seattle or St. Louis people, I don't want to have too much distance between these two episodes. So I will do my regular, if you will, regular preview of, uh, of the other three teams in the division. That will be part two. Uh, of the NFC West. So I already have uh, interviews lined up next week with uh, with Mike Harar from the Redskins page on SB Nation, which I'm off the top of my head. I'm, I'm forgetting right now. My bad. And uh, from our, the representative with the Buccaneers uh, as well. So our same place opponents, I think, depending on how long that I talk to those guys, will either be the two interviews in the same show or much like this one, We'll have a Redskins episode and a Buccaneers episode. So right now, uh, these conversations that I'm having with these people so far are ranging from 40 minutes to an hour. So probably have uh, separate episodes for each of these uh, teams, depending on you know who it is I'm talking to. Right now, I can tell you my plan for the NFC North is to have one show dedicated to each of our divisional opponents. So I could have, you know, where usually I have like three or four uh, episodes for these opponent pre we could have like seven or eight uh this year uh depending on how 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 it works out as far as me me bugging these people into talking to me uh for the uh for the show so far pretty decent response i've already got something lined up with detroit people um uh, jeremy reasoner i believe is his name uh from from detroit uh the SB Nation page the daily norseman uh from the minnesota i've gotten in touch with him we're going back and forth on on when we can get together uh, and so on. Still waiting to hear from the Packer guy. It's always the freaking Packers, isn't it? Aye. So anyway, that's just to give you a detail, kind of lay out what the plan is. I'm Like I said, kind of shooting from the hip. We'll kind of get better at it as we go. So, uh, um, you know, we'll, uh, we'll see how it all uh, shakes out. But I'm already having a blast doing this, my first show uh, of the uh, of the uh, the young season, if you will, uh, kicking things off here. So, uh, without further ado, I'm gonna you know turn the mic over to myself and to Jess Root and our in-depth conversation on the Arizona Cardinals 2015 and beyond. <laughs> All right, and uh, here we are with, uh, it's Jess Root from RevengeOfTheBirds.com on SB Nation. Jess, how are we doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Thanks so much for uh, joining us. Um, just uh, before we got started here, I told Jess, outside of Scott Wright, who I knew previously, this is the first time I'm interviewing, for lack of a better term, a stranger. So just be gentle, Jess. It's my first time, okay? <laughs> All right. So you are a revengeofthebirds.com, uh, a big contributor on SB Nation. Uh, I see that you got a – you guys do a podcast too? We do indeed. We do indeed. Revenge of the Birds Radio. We're, we're kind of on hiatus right now, probably going to get it back up probably right before training camp. But, yeah, yeah, we do. We do a couple of shows a week during the, during the season. Um a few right before the draft and then a couple of things after the season, but mostly during the season. Right. It sounds like my show. Actually, I do two shows during the week, maybe one here for the draft, one for the schedule release, that kind of thing during the hiatus. This is kind of where I kick it back into gear, where we start previewing our upcoming uh, opponents. 
and you guys uh, with the Arizona Cardinals are up first. So uh, how long have you been doing Revenge of the Birds? I started running the site. Now, it wasn't my site originally, but I replaced a guy who replaced a guy previously. I think the site's been around since 2007. I took over in, I guess it'll be March of 2011, I believe. Okay. Yeah, because it was I, I covered the lockout. It was when I first started. Oh, nice. So the, the lockout, the Kevin Cobb trade, the Cobb skeleton mess, hmm. yeah. <laughs> the 4-0 start, the the one and eleven end. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So how long have you been a Cardinals fan? I've I've been a Cardinals fan pretty much my entire life. I, I'm I'm a born and raised Arizonan. Um, and so I remember when the Cardinals came to town in 1988, I was, you know, I was 11 years old. I started following the team about 1990 when, uh, you know, it kind of began all the, the pain and sorrow of being a Cardinals fan with right. Tom Tupa and Tim Rosenbaugh and all the disappointments of quarterbacks that there were, right. um, the leading buddy, up and buddy Ryan, yeah, sorry, buddy yeah. Ryan. Yes. Just, just, just a mess, just a mess. Yes. So I, I, I've been following the Cardinals since, Basically, ever since I knew about pro football, I've been I've been following them since okay. then. Did you guys did you did you have a team before the Cardinals came to town? No, no, not really. My dad was was kind of a Cowboys fan, but ah. I my my parents weren't big sports fans, and it was about age twelve when I discovered that sports were cool. Right, start following baseball, starting for football, and then followed the Phoenix Suns. So it was my I, I I went through the discovery phase of becoming a sports fan. Okay, cool. Cool. All right. So let's talk about these these Cardinals of yours. Um, it's it's kind of a sore spot for me personally, because your coach, Bruce Arians, was supposed to be knock on, you know, was supposed to be up for the Bears job. But because he and Phil Emery couldn't agree on what to do with the defense, Bruce Arians decided not to take the job and in, and in turn uh, came out to Arizona. And, you know, feel free to disagree with me on this, but. I feel like Bruce Arians took a less talented roster than what the Bears had in 2013 and made them 10 times the team that the Bears ended up having with what turned out to be a, a lesser coach. Uh, so I, I, you know, I'm extremely jealous you guys got Bruce Arians. He was the guy that I wanted from the from the word go after we let go of Lovey. It, it was kind of a ballsy thing for him to do. I mean, he, a long time, long time assistant, never got his shot as a head coach. And I, I honestly... In, in the years previous, never even heard his name come up with in in potential candidates. Even so, I don't even know if he got any interviews. But at that after that 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 2012 interim stint in, in Indianapolis, uh, his name came up. In fact, he didn't come up for the Cardinals until really late in the game. Uh, Arian said that the the issue was is he wanted to bring his he wanted to bring have the entire staff be his staff. Right. Uh, having having waited as long as he has and with the experience he has, he knew that, that he didn't want to have kind of the piecemeal. In fact, it was a very tough thing for very Arizona Cardinals fans because at the time, Ray Horton um, was the defensive coordinator, didn't done a heck of a job uh, previously with Ken Wisenhunt. In fact, there are many people who believe that Ray Horton should have been the head coach. And, and Arians and Horton are close. They're, they're friends. And mm. He even he wouldn't keep him on because he wanted the continuity. He wanted it to be his staff, his team. Uh, there, there's an ego with Arians, but it, it, understandably so because he's seen um, staffs 
fucking coaching coaches fail because they didn't have anyone on board. Uh, kind of even the Cardinals when they hired Kevin Wisenhunt, they kind of kept they they kind of forced Clancy Pendergast on him for a couple of years before they they tossed him to the side, and then they went through a couple of couple other defensive coordinators but no Arians was dead set on having all his staff and I guess the Chicago wanted to keep some of that staff on um yeah. so yeah they wanted to keep uh Rod Marinelli who was the defensive coordinator for the defense in 2012 when we were in top five I mean at that point it's like our defense was scoring more often than our offense yeah. was and, and interestingly enough is is Marinelli's defense I mean Arians won't say that he's a three four four three guy but you can tell Based on his is his time in in Pittsburgh, it, he's been around the three four defense yeah. longer than that, and so that's that's the type of guy he was going to bring in. So he's going to bring in Bulls three four guy. Jet Betcher's going to continue being a three four guy, um, and and that's not Marinelli, right? No, it's not. Marinelli is uh, a Lovey Smith, uh, you know, um, Tony Dungy disciple as far as bringing in the um, the four three cover two. Uh, you know, system. So they 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 were looking for more of a if it ain't broke, don't fix it approach. And man, was it broke because the defense <laughs> didn't take long to break. Oh <laughs> man, it was awful. God, I'm so glad that's over with. But um, speaking of of Todd Bowles, I I was on on the Football is America podcast earlier, uh, you know, about a month and a half, two months ago, and we were talking specifically about Todd Bowles. How I personally feel like the Jets made a mistake in hiring him. Now I have no as far as, you know, saying like I, I have no personal knowledge of the man himself or anything like that, it's just a feeling that I have. You know that feeling that you get? You just don't think something's going to work out. I have a feeling inside that something isn't going to work out for Todd Bowles with the Jets. Would you agree with that? Or, you know, having spent more time following the team, do you have a differing opinion? I actually disagree. I don't know much about what he'll do offensively, but he's already he already he chose a job. Now, granted, the Jets are a mess. Yeah. But he already picked a team that has an extremely talented defense. And what does he do with defenses? He makes them better. He schemes really well. They added Revis and Cromartie. Yes, it's at high price tags. But those two covering, I mean, defensively, they're going to be really good. It's always going to come down to quarterback play. But the the change from Rex Ryan to the personality of Todd Bowles, who is a very understated uh, man, uh, very quiet. He's intense. I we I heard, heard some stories this last year where the coach Bowles got very very animated at, at halftime, uh, and the players were and they, and they responded to that. Um, so I think he's the perfect coach for that situation coming off of Rex Ryan because he was all bravado. He was real good defensively, but he's all bravado. And Bowles is a workman type coach he's going to quietly motivate he's a great teacher we'll see what happens in terms of offense but he's got in in chan gailey he's got a skilled guy an experienced man to be able to do that it comes out of quarterback play but i i think that i don't know if we'll take them over the hump they will definitely as long as you got tom brady in that division i mean it's going to be a, it's going to be a mess for for right. the rest of the east but if you look at it, he's going to put a very competitive team and it wouldn't be surprising to see them crack that wild card spot this year with bulls if the, if anything else if they can keep if they can just take care of the football their defense is going to be dynamic right yeah and and i and, I, and i'm not denying the talent that's on the defensive side of the ball and like i said it's not so much a a um 
you know, I'm not saying that he's not a good enough coach to be a head guy or anything like like I said, it's just a weird feeling that I get about him being a head coach. Like I I got a feeling that he might be kind of somewhat like a Wade Phillips guy where he's an awesome coordinator. Everywhere he goes as a defensive coordinator, he's got top level defenses, top five, you know, number one defense. But whenever he's a head coach, the team doesn't exactly, you know, respond. Then he goes back to being a defensive coordinator, and all of a sudden he's a top five defense, and now he's up for head coaching jobs again and things like that. I just got a weird feeling that that, that might be the road that Todd Bowles You know, now. that very well could be, except I, I, personality-wise, personality-wise, you, you see a difference. Wade Phillips wasn't really good about managing his players is what being, meant as the issue as the head coach is his teams kind of were a little bit rough on the edges in terms of how he handled his personality. Bowles has been ever... You, He's the type of guy that Bruce Arians said go back to Temple. You knew when he was in college that he was going to make a good, he's going to make a good head coach. He has that mentality. He's that, that quiet. Uh, he's going to be able to manage players. And and with a with a Cardinals roster is as talented and as veteran as it was over the last few years, you will not hear anything but the most most respect out of. And I think that's where guys like like Wade Phillips have failed. Is while they had the 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 scheme the x's and o's mm-hmm. perhaps they didn't have the player respect because oh my heavens todd bowles they they talk about him still um at the type of man and the type of leader he was i'll take your word for it like i said i like i didn't know much about the man himself like it just was that weird feeling you get in the pit of your stomach like i yeah yeah just don't know if that's going to be a good move for them so uh moving on um, we, we touched on quarterback play when we were talking about what Todd Bowles' success level is going to be like there in, in New York. Your quarterback situation last year was, for lack of a better term, was, was a day and night situation. The first half of the season, it was awesome. You know, healthy Carson Palmer. Uh, I did the math a few minutes ago. 25 points a game while, Calmer, while Palmer was playing. Then you drop down to half that, 12.4 after he goes down. And that's not including the playoffs. I mean, in the the last seven games, you guys scored 87 points. If you add the playoff game, you just barely crack 100 at like 103 or something like that. I mean, but you had Palmer go down. Then you had uh, Stanton go down pretty much right after that. And then it was third, fourth, and fifth string guys that were trying to take your team into the playoffs. So what was that like? Oh, it was miserable. Because, I, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, they had a good enough start to the season where you knew they were going to make the playoffs. Right. Um, but when Palmer went down, it was, oh, man. But the way the way Bruce Arians talks about Drew Stanton, and, and Drew Stanton had won some football games, he's – I've compared him a lot to a Kevin Cobb, um, a guy that's got the talent but needs a rhythm to do it. He does a lot of Kevin Cobb-type habits. And, and he was effective enough. Um, Drew Stanton's – Kind of his bugaboo as well is like every single year he gets hurt and that happened again here. But the problem is, like with any team, with the exception of, well, even you could go to the Texans a couple of years ago when they ended up starting TJ Yates. Once you get to your third string quarterback, the season's pretty much a loss anyway. The problem was the start that the Cardinals had, the confidence which with, their, with which they were playing, it made it feel like a potentially special. There was real talk and there was real belief that this team could have gotten deep into the playoffs, that they were real contender. And then that year was wasted on Ryan Lindley. Nothing is Ryan. Cause I'm, I, I love the, the 
the kid as, as a person. He's a great human being. And, and, and there's something to say about the work ethic he had as a late, late round draft pick uh, to, to start his rookie year. Uh, he showed a lot in practice. He's very smart. He picked up the offense. He's a great practice player. He impressed Ken Wisenhunt. He impressed Drew Bruce Arians enough that he was the only quarterback that he retained of the four that were on the roster at the time. Wow. Uh, and so there was something about Lindley that that impressed Arians. And, and even after they drafted Logan Thomas, the writing was on the wall. So they bring Lindley back um, because he had experience. He was basically the one guy out there with experience playing and experience playing the offense, that they turn to him again. Now, he's not a good quarterback, uh, as it turns out to be. And and we saw that in his second go-around. I mean, you can throw 2012 out the window, but when you saw 2014 more or less the same thing, yeah, it was it was disappointing. And so uh, when when Palmer went down, there was the belief, at least I believe that many in my, my community felt that that Drew Stanton could lead them to a playoff win, maybe two with Lindley gone. There, there was no hope. Um, but that, and, and it was, we were fortunate enough that it happened late in the later in the year. So we already got, had gotten off to that nine and one start. They're well on their way. Right. They were a C, they were a win at home against Seattle away from clinching, essentially uh, win one more game or beat Seattle at home instead of just falling apart. And they, they take the division and they have home field throughout the playoffs. And, and then who knows what happens. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So, so a nine and one start then, then trickles down into a two and four finish. And, you know, I watched that playoff game against Carolina oh. and it really wasn't even as close as the 27 to 16 final score. I mean, you know, forgive me for saying they didn't even look like they belonged out there with Carolina. Well, they were playing a terrible Panthers team. too. They, yeah. they, were, they were winning at halftime. That's how bad. Ryan Lindley had them at a 14-13 lead at halftime. Carolina was doing their best to lose that game and, <laughs> and things just it just fell apart. And with that terrible decision of a play at the end, it ended up being a record set a record set for lowest offensive production at a playoff game ever. Right. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't as bad. It, it was as bad as it looked, but you take away that minus 28 yard play at the end of, at the end of the game. And then, then you have just a, just a bad offensive performance instead of a historically bad, uh, the, that Panthers team. I mean, the NFC South was a disaster last year yeah, it that, was. that, I mean, the Cardinals with Drew Stanton, even with Stanton win that game, I think easily. Oh yes. I, I believe so. Uh, as well so I mean you had your your quarterback struggles but I think that was you know compounded by the fact that you didn't have much of a running game last year Andre Ellington had the 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 injury issues he got hurt early on then came back and got hurt again uh, towards the end of the um, the season you think you guys might have been able to get away with your quarterback troubles if Ellington had been healthy last year Uh, you might be able to say that I I don't think I still don't think it would have mattered much because so much goes into quarterback play into the NFL. Right. Um, but a, a healthy L. Arrington would have helped even more, would have helped Stanton uh, a little bit better. But yeah, there was, if you look at it, this the season was marred with so many important injuries. You lose Darnell Dockett in, in preseason. <clears throat> you lose Paul, Carson Palmer. You lose Andre, Andre Allenton from day one wasn't healthy. He right. gutted. He gutted through a foot injury all year, so he was missing practice time, and so he wasn't even. He was probably playing seventy percent when he was playing in those twelve games, and then then you know had his season end. They lose, they lose Matt Shaughnessy, 
uh, a key cog, and then they lose. <clears throat> they lost a couple other players. They lost Ed Stinson, a rookie who was making key contributions, and they just they just ran out of gas. They just ran out of gas, and the defense, which played well the first two thirds of the season, just got gas and, and turned into a bad defense. Whether it was they weren't stopping the run anymore, it was a combination of they they were just were on the field too long, right, ran out yeah. of gas, and then compounded once Ryan Lindley starting for how much hope did they have? They didn't. They they didn't have any hope. <laughs> yeah, that was that does factor into it. Like, are are we really? Is it really even worth it at this point? Uh, you know, that kind of gets into your into your head and that's that's the point that i was going to bring up you went in there and, and, you, and you said it for me was that you know they're only scoring 12 points a game now that means the offense probably not on the field all that much these guys they probably just got it, worn so the defensive down players the they were worn down they, and guys you, you see guys like rashad johnson they started missing tackles all over the place well tyron math i forgot tyron matthew wasn't really healthy the whole year they they dealt with in their first round pick jonathan cooper uh missed basically only played two games he wasn't fully recovered from his broken leg for the previous year um and so they were playing with kind of a shoddy offensive line uh the quarterback gets hurt i mean shoddy in the interior their their tackle play was pretty good especially at left tackle jared builder was a great pickup but they weren't a great run blocking team it, it was just you know it was a special year that ended up being wasted like i said um even though the team, they'll tell you, they were playing hard. It was the defense. That's not so much they gave up. They they started playing out a scheme. They tried to do too much, and and that with the with the fatigue factor, it was just a disaster waiting to happen. Speaking of um, of the offensive line, you you added Mike Ayupati. You stole him from the. Uh, that's how you pronounce it, right? Is it Ayupati? Ayupati, yeah. Ayupati. There you go. Uh, stole him away from San Francisco and in division uh, theft, if you will. You draft DJ Humphreys. In the first round from Florida, so and then you move Cooper, hoping that he's finally healthy. Move him from the left side over to right because Upati is a left guard from San Francisco. That should help things, not no. There is oh my goodness. If, if there's a, I've never heard an off season where there was a an offensive line that was this exciting for the team. Historically, <laughs> ever since the Cardinals got. It, Ever since the Cardinals got to Arizona, they've had terrible offensive lines. Even their Super Bowl run, their offensive line wasn't any good. Right. Uh, it was maybe, maybe average. Um, it was Kurt Warner that, that made the difference. And and so, but they've never had a good offensive line. They've got a top talent left tackle. Bobby Massey is above average. Uh, right. They add Mike Upati, who's one of the best guards in the game. There's questions about his past, but look, the Pro Bowls are there. He's one of the top guards in football. Cooper, so far this offseason, has been healthy. He's moving around really well, and there's a lot lot of optimism. If he stays healthy through trading camp, there's going to be big things about him. Um, they, they added A.Q. Shipley, who looks like he's going to be a starter. He bounced around between the starting lineup and not when he was at Indianapolis. But the grading, like all the you know those off-site grading uh, sites, Shipley was incredibly effective. <laughs> and he knows the offense because because he was there before with Jonathan Goodwin, with Harold Goodwin rather, and, and Bruce Arians. So he's a guy that they're real familiar with. The offensive line looks like it will be solid, which mm-hmm. is very exciting. And and there's been uh, there's been a concerted focus this offseason about running the ball. So there, it's about protect Carson and and do more in the running game. And so they added 
Mupate, who is an elite run blocker. Mm -hmm. Shipley, who grades real highly in run blocking. And then you add Jonathan Cooper, whose two games last season were when the Cardinals did the best job at running the football. And now he's moving. He's very athletic, so he can get to the second level. Uh, you have you have the potential of, of being a good team. And then you uh, Ellington's back from injury. They draft DJ Johnson. And so there's the potential to have not only the pass protection, which aside from the injuries, the sack numbers have gone down uh, significantly over the past couple of years. Uh, but the potential to to also add a little bit of dynamics in the running game. So we go from the running game, which was towards the bottom of the league, injuries and offensive line uh, short shortcomings and such, to your passing game, where you have Larry Fitzgerald, a surefire Hall of Famer. Um, you have Michael Floyd, another top-round pick. And then last year, you have this rookie John Brown come out of nowhere and was Probably, you know, from the games that I saw, the highlights and things that I saw of the Cardinals, probably one of the most dynamic players in the offense. Does Is he going to have – do you think he'll be able to back that up in his sophomore season or um, – you know, because there's always that, that, that danger of, you know. Yes, it's interesting to because he was the talk – like once he entered camp, he was the talk of the of spring. Um, granted, it was, you know, they don't – they don't. They can't play press man during during OTAs and mini camp. They can't run the pads. But in in off season work, no one could cover him. Uh, and and they kind of showed that early in the season. Now he hit the wall in December, and there was bad quarterback play. And, and he's still a small. But again, second year in, he's a little bigger. He's got an air of confidence. And again, he's the talk of of, of the off season. So. Hmm. They are, I mean, there's the buzz about Carson Palmer raves about this kid. Uh, that he's now a second offseason in a row is is taking him with him to San Diego back home to work with him uh, for the weeks leading up to training camp. And there is talk of a huge year for him. I don't know how huge is huge when you've got Fitz and Floyd in there. But but you look at the type of impact. Arians knows receivers. Uh, and if you look at some of the receivers that he's brought into the league, he's brought in Antonio Brown, he's brought in Emmanuel Sanders, he's brought in T.Y. Hilton. Um, and yeah, guess what? John Brown is that same type of receiver. He likes short, he likes little fast guys, and those little fast guys tend to perform really well. Yeah, he. Uh, that's that's a great point. Arians had his hands on all those guys, didn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah, T.Y. Hilton especially. My, my, my best friend is a, a huge Colts fan, season ticket holder and everything is dreading not this season but this offseason coming up when TY's contract expires and now he's going to be a free agent will the will the Colts be able to keep him in town and uh so on and so forth so uh like on the defensive side that was obviously the strength of the team last year especially after Palmer went down but you had some big losses in there Darnell Dockett leaves town Dan Williams uh is gone well the, the problem with Dockett is that he, he's a 49er now, so not only is he gone, but you got to see him twice a year. Uh, you know, uh, John Abraham is gone. Uh, Sam Ako, is Acho. it Ako? Acho, Acho. Sorry, yeah. I've, he joined. He joined your guy. He did. He, he he's our guy, but I've never heard his name pronounced. I've, that's uh, anyway. That's my fault. But John Carlson retired. Well, that's offense. But you know, you lose <laughs> Cromartie as well. Larry Foot, Tommy Kelly. Um, you know, who's left on on defense? Uh, that's. I mean, you got Peterson and. Matthew. Calais Campbell. 
Well, the last Campbell, right. Let me go through that now. Some of the losses weren't really losses if you look at it. Dawkins didn't play a game last year. John Abraham played three quarters of a game last year. Uh, um, so their losses were already kind of losses. And, and Abraham was was at the end of his career. And Dockett sort of is. Uh, Dockett is Ed, good for him. He got paid a little more than that the Cardinals were going to offer him, but he's joining the dumpster fire of the 49ers right. offseason. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> and... And, and but anyway, um, believe it or not, overall the defense has got better has is is has greater depth than they did a season ago. Um, yes, they lose Antonio Cromartie. That yeah. is a real loss. Um, they now will start Gerard Powers. I mean, he's he's been a starter ever since he came to the league, except for last year where he played exclusively pretty much in the slot, and he was very good in the slot last year. He was a Cardinal starting cornerback in 2013. It was Peterson and 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 Powers in 2013 when they had every bit as dominant a defense. So while it is a drop off in talent, there's some things that Powers is better. He's a better he's better tackler, so he play, he defends the run better. Because um, Cromartie, great cover guy, he's not physical in the running game, and and and. In today's NFL, you you it's hard to take basically defend the run with ten players, and when you have Cromartie out of this, what you're doing, um, they have a fully recovered now Tyron Matthew mm-hmm. flying around the field like he did his his rookie off the this first year, so they get him back. Um, the defensive line, yes, they lose Tommy Kelly, yes, they lose Dan Williams. Dan Williams was a part time player; he was their base nose tackle. They did add some. They added some talent. They added Corey Peters, a talented defensive lineman, yep. defensive end, defensive tackle at Atlanta. That's that. That's a very underrated signing. Uh, they brought in Corey Redding, uh, solid, solid veteran, and also yep. very capable still. Right. Uh, they add. Who else did they add? Frosty Rucker. Yeah, Frosty Rucker's been with the team, so they they maintain him. So the, the rotation on that defensive line, they've got seven, eight, nine players that can make NFL rosters, and there's going to be there's going to be one or two players cut uh, on the defensive line at least that will you know that'll be that could even perhaps start in some other teams. So the defensive line depth is great. They added Sean Weatherspoon. Weatherspoon is a better player than Foot. Foot's probably going to stay a coach on on the staff. So hmm. you basically upgrade there, assuming Weatherspoon stays healthy. Daryl Washington will be back at some point, perhaps this year. We have to wait and see. Kevin Minter returns. Um, they add now on the edge. They still bring back Alex Okafor, who led the team into nine sacks last season, and they also return Lorenzo Alexander, who was banged up. He's still recovering from his Liz Franck last that he suffered in 2013. He played. He was still. Feeling the effects of that in 2014. He as of right now he's a starter, but they added Lamar Woodley. Um, I don't know how much he has to offer, but they were playing Matt Shaughnessy at outside linebacker. They moved him inside. They took Kareem Martin, who was a defensive end last year, their third round pick, and moved him to outside linebacker. He's got potential as an edge rusher, uh, big bodied guy. If you look, if you look kind of like at the physical traits, he has a, a lot of the physical traits. That Jadavion Clowney has, and he'll be playing oh. that that three four edge, edge rush now. Um, so they're in some ways they're deeper. They 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 downgraded it cornerback. The safety position remains strong because they go four deep with four guys that could start for most teams between right. Rashad Johnson and, and Tyron Matthew and Dalen Buchanan, who's now in his second season, and Antony Jefferson. The cornerbacks downgraded. I think you're 
overall a wash at linebackers and you increase depth at defensive line. The question about that defense, because the talent is there, the question is going to be scheming. Yes, they've got the same terminology, but now you've got a defensive coordinator who's never called a game at any level. James Betcher, while he is kind of a special guy in terms of coaching talent, as Bruce Arians called it, he, he knows that he can do it. He's never made game calls before. That's really the question. Yeah, that's that's hard to do, you would think, to make it all the way to the NFL and you hadn't been a, a coordinator of some kind at some point or someone who had at least called the plays uh, going in. Yeah, well, he, he was a special assistant. He was a guy, he, he never played in the NFL, but he was a special assistant in Indianapolis to, to Chuck Pagano. Then Arians brings him over. He's the outside linebackers coach. He's worked with linebackers a lot, and he's coached a really, some he's coached some good ones. Um, but this will be his first shot as defensive coordinators. He's had some key responsibilities. He does some of the prep work. He he talks adjustments for the second half. But no, this is the first experience that he will have at any level being a coordinator of any sort. So he'll be making game. Uh, that that's really the, honestly that's the biggest question of the offseason. If you look at talent, I think you could probably call it a wash. Mm-hmm. overall but because it upgraded some areas it downgraded some areas in terms of overall defensive talent and depth it's pretty much a wash uh assuming everyone stays healthy the the x factor is better can he make those same clutch calls that bulls was able to do now just to backtrack a little to the offense i was just on revenge of the birds.com a little bit earlier today and the lead article or the one that stood out was about a mike glennon trade mike glennon the quarterback for the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers is probably, you know, feeling like a man on on all on an island to himself because they <laughs> just drafted <laughs> just drafted Jameis Winston is going to be the quarterback of the future out there. What's the you know what do you think you would have to give up to get a guy like him, and you know would he be helpful to you guys? Well, that's um, I think it's I think it's smart. Mm-hmm. I think it's smart from about I think it's smart to make a trade for him. Um, the question is, why would Tampa Bay trade him now? Right. Um, because as a backup quarterback, he's shown he can play in the league. His rookie year, 19 touchdowns, line picks, uh, 2,600 yards, complete 60. He showed that he was a very able quarterback, uh, at least and that was in his rookie season. With Winston, I mean, yes, he's, he's the top talent, and I expect him to be a very good quarterback. But you still need a backup. And, yeah. and Glennon's been there. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that his value will be highest. Not now, but next offseason. Once Winston shows that he's going to be good, and then you have Glennon entering the final year of his contract, um, kind of a situation where you get like a Kevin Cobb or some of these back or or Ryan Mallett or these young backup quarterbacks who show some talent. Only Glennon's done it. I think it'd be a great move for the Cardinals. I don't know how high I would give up because he's not, he's still, because he still wouldn't play right away. He's not going to play. He's not going to start for the Cardinals till 2017. Carlson Palmer's locked in this year. His contract, it makes him locked in next year because he's worth his contract, I think, is like 17.8 million against the cap next year. And because of his restructure this year, if they cut him, it's still 13.8 against the cap. So they basically locked him in for this year and next year, essentially. Uh, so Glennon wouldn't be able to play till 2017 anyway when he would be, like, if Tampa Bay held on to him, it would be when he was a free agent at ending his rookie contract. I, if it, if it were me, I'd say third round pick 
plus a conditional 2018 pick since it's going to be 2017 in my opinion when he starts anyway with that 20 with that possibility of that 2018 pick being a first rounder if Glenn turns out to be a starter for 16 games or whatever that that's how I would do it but I don't know if that would <laughs> I don't know if that's even a possibility because I don't think you throw a first rounder or even a second round at him uh, especially when the Cardinals wouldn't play him for two more years. But in terms of putting him, he'd be the third quarterback on the roster right now. I'd take him over Logan Thomas any day. And Drew Stanton's going to be a free agent this next year. Mike Lennon would be a great backup to have after that, especially since he would have had a year in the offensive system to learn. The question's 2017. That's 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 really the big question for the Cardinals because they're not going to dump Carson Palmer for Glennon this year, and they're not going to dump Carson Palmer for Glennon for next year either. Um just money-wise, just wouldn't make sense. So you have your your offense. We've talked about the defense. Let's talk about your draft. So you guys were kind of looking in, uh, you know, from what I understand, going into the draft. We're hoping that uh, that Todd Gurley or, or Gordon would fall to you guys at 24. Unfortunately, both of those guys were gone, and we're thinking maybe pass rusher at 24. You end up with an offensive tackle and don't go with a pass rusher type guy until the second round with Marcus Golden. You get Davis Johnson in the third round, or DJ Johnson, I think you said, from Northern Iowa. A smaller school, but still a good running back. And, you know, you got defense pretty much from there. You got Delaware State, Rodney Gunter, Shaquille Riddick from West Virginia. And then you go uh, offense with the last two picks from there. What's, what's the word on the draft class? How are they kind of fitting into things with OTAs and things going on? There's really been the buzz about one player. And that is David Johnson, the, the third rounder. Um, that, that's more about need than anything else. So you've got Andre Ellington. They, they, the workload was probably too much for him last year out of the fact he was already banged up. But then you add to that that they just didn't really have him behind him. They wanted to get a running back. They want to run the ball better. Uh, Bruce Arian said off offseason he wanted a bigger back, a bigger running back. And he said he wanted bigger and faster. And so you're thinking, they're thinking, oh, bruiser. No, they draft a guy, 6'1", 225, big. David Johnson's a, a specimen. Um, but he's fast. If you look at if you look at I, I look at the combine numbers of all the guys that, you know, I kind of charted him as if they were all at least 210 pounds. He's 225. Guess what? Fastest one of that group. So he wants a guy that's fast and who's big and fast, who can kick it outside. Uh, kind of like a guy he wanted it's what he wanted Jonathan Dwyer to be only this guy is an incredible talent with pass catching he was a receiver when he first got to Northern Iowa and, and but his body size he ended up turning running back which makes him even better pick because that's exactly what they what they do with Andre Ellington now they can just plug in David Johnson not change a single thing and then he can run the same plays only he's bigger um and now you had the the possibility of having two guys in the back. If you put Ellington and 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 Johnson both on the field at the same time, you could start them both both in the in the backfield. You're going to put create a mismatch somewhere because you're going to slide one out to motion one out or motion both out. Who's going to cover both of them? Uh, it's David Johnson. He's been the most talked about draft pick. DJ DJ Humphrey, the first rounder. Uh, while there was the buzz that he was going to start this year, doesn't look like he's probably going to sit the year behind Bobby Massey, barring injury. Marcus Golden, we'll have to wait and see what happens there. The, the Cardinals have a talented enough team with veterans that they didn't need any. They don't need any of their rookies to step in. Um, 
I personally, I believe that there will be three rookies that could make the most impact in year one. That's going to be Johnson. It's going to be Golden because at the position, because outside linebacker still kind of weak, and we don't know who's going to step up on the other side outside uh, opposite of Alex Okafor. And then the, then the surprise one, well, J.J. Nelson, but that's going to be on special teams. He's going to be the return guy. Maybe Gerald Christian, the last guy in the draft. And that's simply because he, he won't put up big numbers, but he'll play that H-back, that flexible position where, where Bruce Arians like his tight end to be able to line up in line, line up in the backfield, line out in the slot, just do different things. I don't think he'll have big numbers, but he'll get significant playing time over the course of the year. How are you liking the schedule for 2015? I love it. Uh, it's got a tough middle, but they, they start out the first three, three out of the first four games. They start out at home. Three of the final four games are at home. Uh, so the, you always want to, they, they kind of talk about starting strong and finishing strong. You've got a perfect opportunity to do that. <coughs> and it lines up and it lines up well that they can get off to another really hot start. Um, get out, jump out the door and take, take on that division, be at, right on top when the first four or five games that they have. Then you've got a really tough middle schedule. This is where you face the they face the NFC North. I mean AFC North, and um, those are going to be physical games. But they they really don't. I mean the weather is not going to be an issue for them this year. They of their because they travel back east a lot this year. Only one is has the really potential to be a problem. That's in December in Philadelphia. Right. And and to end the season, yes, the three out of four at home. They've got some tough opponents, but at the same time. If you're going down for the playoff stretch and you've got three or four at home against quality opponents, it sets them up nicely uh, that if they're good enough, that they're going to set themselves up to be ready for the playoffs. And not only that, because they're playing quality p- opponents, that they're going to be ready to compete and play well in the playoffs. So I, I'm really, really pleased with how the schedule played out. Uh, were you disappointed that there's only a couple of national TV games on the schedule? Uh, that's about how it goes. Um, and, and they've got they've got a Thursday night game, they've got a Monday night game, and they've got a Sunday night game slotted already. Mm-hmm. And one of those games down the stretch could get flexed into Sunday night. I, I wouldn't right. be surprised, depending on how the, the season's going, because they, well, they play that... – Well, they've got – because they already got Seattle on, on Thursday night. And they, they 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 have Seattle and Seattle on Thursday night. Right. Uh, wait, no, is it Thursday? It's Minnesota on Thursday night. The Sunday Minnesota. night game is against Seattle. So they got in Seattle the the finale against if if things work out that that would that one could easily flex to to right to to Sunday night. The one against Green Bay the week before viably could as well. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So we. You guys come to town. You said three out of the four are at home to start. That that fourth one is in Chicago week two uh, against the Bears. And looking at the Bears' schedule, I was like, well, the schedule makers hate John Fox, apparently, because, <laughs> because we, have, we have Green Bay at home to start. We have Arizona on the road, granted, you know, in Chicago. So, you know, both of our games are at home, but it's against two playoff teams. And then the third one is the third playoff team on the road at Seattle. So it's like, oh, great. This is going to be. Gonna, it yeah. is. And and I like the fact the Cardinals are playing Chicago so early because it will be early in the season uh, with a new staff, which means the team hasn't made all their adjustments yet. So they're not going to be nearly as in rhythm. I'm not saying that it's definitely a win, um, but it's a, it's a better time to play a new coach team rather than late in the season when they've already made adjustments and, and played together. 
Right. When I saw the schedule, I was I, I, I was just like, it's going to be really hard for us not to be 0-3 after the first three games. Home for Green Bay, home for Arizona, on the road to Seattle before we come home to play the Raiders. And, you know, with the moves and everything the Raiders are making, that's not as much of a given as it used to be. But it's just like, you know, when I saw that, I was like, oh, great. The Cardinals week two, Green Bay after that or before that. Then we got Seattle on the road. This is going to be tough. So, but you guys, you have Bruce Arians, who's who I feel should be coaching my team right now. But, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, the guy, I just had a feeling about him. Like I said, talking about the feelings before with Todd Bowles, I turned out to be right. And I'm kind of pissed that I was. But 10 wins in 2013, you guys don't make the playoffs. 11 in 2014 uh, in what could have, you know, God only knows what that would have been had. Palmer and the offense been able to stay healthy uh, last year. What are the hopes or expectations going into 2015? Is are they high or are they? They're very high. Are they? Very high. Um, this team is not shy about having. Their goal is to go to the Super Bowl. Their goal is, and they said it will be if they anything short of the Super Bowl is considered a disappointment. But I mean, that's that's offseason talk. Uh, if this team doesn't make the playoffs it will be a big disappointment because that's how they have this team built they're built to win now so there is an expectation to to compete in the division and make the postseason hopefully they, they want to win the division but it's definitely they want to play at home and the, they want to be able to play at home in the playoffs so anything short of the postseason is is a, a bitter disappointment and this is a team that's expected that most at least locally expect to be a competitive team in the playoffs record wise what are you thinking when you have a chance to look at the schedule my my early prediction uh, when the schedule first came out i had them pegged at 10 and 6 second place in the division making making the playoffs as a wild card that's that was and and that was and, and i had them starting out hot ending hot but then kind of having a three loss lull right in a row in the middle but i i saw them winning 10 games not quite winning the division but but making the playoffs, I I, I can't it, even as, as as a whole much as a home run want to be, I still can't see them. I can't really project them logically to win the division over over Seattle yet. Yeah, you kind of sound like me. Like I I can't pick the Bears to beat the Packers until they finally beat the freaking Packers. <laughs> exactly. You know, you have the thought in your head, especially last year after the what the the way we we split the series in twenty thirteen. 2014 we got everybody coming back on offense where you know we went and made all these additions on the defensive side so maybe we we caught up a little bit and then they pants us in week four and then just flat out embarrass us on national tv after the uh bye week so it's just like from now on you know i can't pick the bears to beat green bay until it actually happens and we prove that we can actually do it so um you know arizona and uh, Seattle, I'm sure, is somewhat of a the same correlation for you. Yeah, that that's kind of the same thing. And being the you know NFC champions back to back Super Bowl champs a year you know two year seasons ago, I it's, it, it would seem too much of a homer pick to say yeah they're going to go 12 and four and win the division. Yeah, mm-hmm. I see them going. I still see the division being real tough. So I see them splitting games against Seattle. I see them still splitting games against San Francisco I, uh, and then really? still beating San Francisco. I, I still think that San Francisco is going to be a tough team and 
that's a rivalry game. And I think in San Francisco, still a tough place to. And so I, I, I'm I'm predicting that they win four games in the division. That might be a split with Seattle. I mean, I think they split Seattle. They split and then split one of the other two teams and then sweep the other. Um, okay, because I, I thought that dumpster fire was the appropriate uh, description of what's going on in San Francisco. Uh, when I was talking about this, the San Francisco 49ers the other day, um, a friend of mine told me that he had them pegged for 2-14. and 14. Oh, my gosh. I, I can't do that. I mean, they still – I mean, it's still a good division. Uh, I think every one of the divisions going to have at least seven games that are still physical. They still have talent. It's just – and it's going to – their season was going to come down to Colin Kaepernick anyway. Uh, if Colin Kaepernick plays well, the losses they have don't make that much of a difference. Right. But, I mean, but it's just like, you know, rats off a sinking ship with the 49ers. <laughs> uh, you know, everybody's either retiring or leaving – you know, no one's really they're not really bringing people in and the people that they have brought in are not exactly blowing up anybody's skirt uh, so far uh, this this uh, in the in the offseason uh, or anything. And then they they go from Harbaugh, who is, you know, who worked his way up to being an elite level coach in the NFL to basically hiring the guy who's just kind of been hanging around the organization. He was under Nolan. He was under Singletary. Then he was under uh, Harbaugh. And then they're like, well, we'll just give him the job. He's, you know, <laughs> dumb enough to still be here. So we'll just hire him uh, to be the head coach. And, uh, you know, I, I hear that the players talk highly about him. Uh, you know, it's another one of those gut feelings that I'm going to become famous for, apparently. Uh, just not feeling this hire for the 49ers at all. I understandably so. I still think their talent is decent enough and they've got enough. I and mean, with guys like Anquan, well, They'll either compete or it will go to hell in a hurry. Right. <laughs> I guess it'll yeah. it, it could be. I, mean, I, I think they will be a competitive team, but I, I do. I can see a scenario. I, I could definitely see where things got trouble early that it could just fall apart. But I don't, you know, I'm not going to predict that for such a tough competitive division, especially when they, they have some talents. They're still a physical team, so they'll still beat a lot of teams that aren't in the NFC West. All right, so just we're going to wrap things up here. Well, I'm just want to you know ask you one thing. Just um, you know, what is your favorite memory? And, and I know this is probably be tough because you're a Cardinals fan. Not a lot of success on that side, but what is your favorite memory of being a Cardinal fan? Is it the 08 championship game? It, yeah, that's that's about it. <laughs> I mean, I, the the 1998 season, especially as a, as a as still as as a young as an well, I was an older team, just a, barely an adult, was an exciting year. But it was nothing compared to that 08 and 09 run, and and the fact that uh, when Fitzgerald caught that touchdown in the Super Bowl, two minutes left in the game, I was like they're gonna win. They're actually oh, gonna win the that's... they're actually gonna win the Super, and then everything. Yeah. I yeah. still, I, yeah, I still don't really, really believe Antonio uh, that that what that he got his that Antonio Holmes got his foot down, both feet down. I, I've I, seen, I spit, you know, I see the camera evidence, and it does show that it looks like that probably both of them got down. I am with you on that. Actually, <laughs> I am absolutely. With but I you. can't bring my head to believe it. Every every time I see it, I was like, I still don't see that second foot. I I see him standing on one toe. That's what I see. I I do not <laughs> see both feet touching in the corner. It's an amazing catch, no doubt. But it's like I just don't. I don't see a second toe. Like, why could not the have the refs ruled it incomplete? Because it wouldn't have been enough to overturn that. Exactly. Exactly. So it's just one of those, <laughs> those things. So, okay. Well, you know, just, um, so you're on, uh, it's revenge of the birds, uh, dot com there on the SB nation, 
uh, site. Where else can we find you? Uh, on Twitter, um, the site the account the site account is at Revenge of Birds, and then my personal one is Senor Jess Root. That's uh, at S E N O R R O O T. I'm sorry, S E N O R J E S S R O O T. Senor Jess Root, like as if I were, you know, Senor. I speak Spanish, so that's that's how I do that. Ah, muy bien. All right. So thanks so much uh, for for joining us here, Jess. Uh, you know, how about we get back together uh, pr- prior to week two and, and compare notes on what we got going on for the for the game that uh, we're going to go head to head for. Sounds like a plan. All right. So until then, Jess Root, thanks so much for joining us on the Chicago Bears review. We'll see you soon. All right. Thank you. So once again, I just want to thank Jess uh, Root from Revenge of the dot com on the SB Nation uh, page check out his uh, his uh, his work on the on the site very impressive uh, actually lots of input from him specifically uh, on the site if you go there and uh, check it out uh, who's also got his own podcast Revenge of the Birds Radio pretty sure you could probably find that on iTunes and uh, and everything and like I said you heard at the end of the interview we will try to get Jess back on the show for the week two preview episode uh, this week and hopefully it will be a one and zero Chicago Bear team coming off of a huge season opening victory over the green bay packers that will be facing his arizona cardinals week number two uh knock on wood as we hear me do that now that uh hopefully that will be a one and oh team that will be facing so the cardinals won't be putting us in an zero and two hole uh and so on so uh let's keep our fingers crossed for that no idea how this 2015 season is going to turn out there's always a wild card when you got new coaching staffs and things like that coming in so we'll have to see how it goes for us we'll have to see how it goes for the cardinals how successful will they be will they live up to just roots 10 and 6 prediction will they do better uh with bruce arians at the helm things are probably going to be on the better side uh of things so um you know that is going to do it for this episode part one of the nfc west preview uh episode we'll be back in a couple of days to talk about the the rams the seahawks and the 49ers see if i can't get somebody else from the division to uh come in and talk to us if not it'll just be me and my soothing baritone that will uh you know get you through those uh those three football teams and then we still got uh the Redskins uh, to look forward to, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneer, uh, same place opponents, uh, guys. Like I said, I want to do one episode per team for the NFC North, and that's including the Chicago Bears. And then we'll see what we can get together for the AFC West. Uh, like I said, what uh, you know, what will what I may do, depending on who I get on the show, maybe talk about the other three teams and then finish with a bulk of the conversation talking about whichever uh, representative I get uh, on the show and kind of go forward from there uh, for the AFC West. So they're going to come, uh, you know, fast and furious once we get the kind of hit the ground running here with Jess Root, seeing who else we got out there uh, to join us. So, um, you know. It's all happening, and it's all happening fast, so stay tuned. Uh, So until next time, my name is Larry D., and this has been the Chicago Bears Review.
Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.